You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Vamidos! Bueno! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It's one of my favorite random retorts, and I say it all the time, just randomly when people message me and whatnot, just bueno, and nobody knows why. It doesn't make any sense, which is why it's funny to me, but it's an inside joke for me. That's why. That is, for those that couldn't identify it, a scene from The Office. I wouldn't say Andy is my favorite character, but there are a couple scenes that are super random that, after watching the entire series, I don't know, dozens of times, there's a couple that still get me to just chuckle. Andy saying bueno randomly, as well as Andy saying vanilla when asked if he understands something. I don't know. Hilarious to me. Do I make myself clear? Vanilla. Anyways... Welcome to what I like to call the Packernet Podcast. I have wasted 10 minutes trying to pull this clip up, but I'm I'm happy about it. I'm content with that. Today on the Packernet Podcast, I'm not actually sure exactly what direction we're going to go. I got a bunch of questions um, from the Packernet Podcast Facebook group that you should be in, and um, I'm going to kind of dance across a couple of them, depending on time and whatnot. But I'm also kind of in a tough spot because I watched the interview with Jerry Gray yesterday, which was phenomenal and got me extremely excited. And I'm not usually that guy. I'm not usually the guy that watches an interview and is like, oh man, we're going to win everything because he said he really likes Rashawn Gary and he likes da 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 It's like, yeah, because he's a coach. He's going to say that he likes his guys. That's But I, I, I don't even know if I could exactly put it into words what about Jerry got me excited. There is definitely... First of all, he just seems like a great dude. He seems he comes off as a guy that 100,000% the players are going to love this guy. And again, if you've been listening, you know I'm not going to just make stuff up. Because we've had DB coaches for a long time, and I've been saying, why are they still on this team? No disrespect to them as people. They seem like great people. They've been with the Packers a long time. But we've spent a lot of resources on defensive backs, particularly corners, and our corners are terrible. And you've had DB coaches, corner coaches, safety coaches for like a decade. Maybe it's time for a switch. But, you know, first of all, he comes in sounding like uh, a guy that the players are really going to respect, a great person, but also he's got his bona fides, right? Not only is he a former player, but he comes in with the attitude, and this is what he had said in the interview, interview more or less, was, look, if you're willing to put in the work, I can take you wherever you want to go. And the great thing about that statement is, generally, if, if he had said that with just about any team, I'd have just rolled my eyes because it's like, no, you can't just take anybody wherever they want to go. Some players just aren't good enough, but our guys are. We've got Kevin King. We've got Jair Alexander. We've got uh, Darnell Savage. These are first-round picks. And, and remember, Adrian Amos, just in 2018, was graded out as one of the top safeties in football. He's he's not 
elite in terms of skill set, but he's he's got the skill set and the the amount of ability upstairs to be a very good safety. Our DBs do have that ability to be next level. There's all pro potential somewhere in this group. And the confidence that Jerry brought, basically saying, look, it's not going to be easy, but you tell me where you want to go with your career. You tell me what you want out of this, and I'll help you get there. Which is another, it's a different and kind of a cool attitude, as much as that's not how I would generally think you should be a coach. Right? My job is to tell you what to do. You need to shut your mouth and do what you're told. Right? Get back in there, do a couple more push-ups. I need you to do this. Stop talking. Go do that. You're not good enough. Learn how to do this. You know, it's just, he's coming in just basically saying, look, there are no more excuses for you because I'm that guy. There's nobody out there better than me. Everything you need to know, I know it. There's no excuses. You got me. You got Mike Pettin. Paranoid now. I got a billion alarms, so that's going to be happening regularly. My apologies if you could even hear that. But with all the knowledge and all the talent we have defensively with all our coaches, and with all the talent you have intrinsically, there are zero excuses. And this really is, is a great attitude to have considering last year. Considering there were those questions about every time we went to California, and some questions especially by the comments made with you know Aaron Rodgers and whatnot about guys not really putting forth the right amount of effort, and maybe not doing the right things, and we altered our entire schedule leaving later, which is the wrong thing to do. You want to get there earlier, get acclimated, kind of get used to it, whatever, to get some work in in that state but we changed our schedule from then on i think both times we went to uh play the 49ers we left later because our head coach was scared that our guys would go out partying so jerry's coming in saying look if you want to just waste your career rather than get that giant mega contract that you're you know kevin's he's, he's got to put up or shut up right now you know the packers got to decide are we going to pay this guy a bunch of money or is he going to go play somewhere else for you know, a decent paycheck, but then he's got to start all over. He gets a one or two or three year contract or whatever. He's got to put up or shut up over there. Otherwise, he's just not going to get a contract after that. I mean, the, you know, the big one. That's what all these guys want is the big one. So Jerry has the ability to go to, to Kevin and say, look, just tell me what you need and I'll tell you what you got to do. Same with Jair. Look, you've got all the ability to be the best corner in football. You have that ability. Do you want that? If you do, I'll tell you how to get there. No problem. And, and and I believe it. Because there's every reason to believe it. Jerry's done it in Minneapolis. He's done it in Minnesota. He's turned these guys into great professionals. Generally, the safeties, not as much the corners, but whatever. And anyways, the, the conundrum that I'm in is I, I got an idea as to something I want to, to investigate, but I didn't have the time to do it since I've listened, so that'll have to wait for another day. But I guess the general question I want to answer is how transformative is it going to be if this becomes one of the top DB groups in football? Like, what does that do for this team? That's the question I want to seek out. You know, I mean, I could give an answer, but it wouldn't be based on facts and information. And that's not interesting to you or to me. I'm not even interested in saying my opinion because I don't care what it is. Obviously, I'm investigating it because I think it it's going to have a massive impact, but, you know, we'll, we'll wait for the information to come. But anyways, I did want to comment on it because it just happened yesterday, and I, I, I am a big, I mean, I was a big fan of the hire to begin with. These are the kinds of guys you want to see hiring. Not, you know, there's so many of these obscure names. I feel like coaches are trying to get the next big home run hit, find that obscure 28-year-old, the next wunderkind, 
that next genius you're going to have for a year before he gets hired away as a head coach. Like, dude, just get a guy who's a genius and pay him more money to come coach here. What are we playing games for? Especially if we get to steal him away from, from Minnesota, dude. Oh, perfect hire. Absolutely perfect hire. Anyways, again, that's that's just as in-depth as I'm going to go on that. But if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, go listen to it. He definitely seems to fit that whole culture thing that the Packers are talking about. A guy that, you, when he talks, you just are like, yeah, I, this seems like a good dude. Like, just a good person. And as much as I said I hated that stuff when they would talk about culture and why that matters, it's like, dude, just give me a guy who's really smart and a good good coach that's going to make us win football games. But seeing how transformative the locker room was last year, I'm starting to understand it. And getting players to buy in, pretty huge. You know, you look at the contrast in Detroit. Or some of these other, like Jacksonville, where guys are on Twitter actively talking about, I want to get out. And guys that do get out saying, hey, let everybody else out. They all want out too. I don't want that in Green Bay. And you hear coaches nowadays even talk about that. Like, it's not like the old days where you can just scream at guys. That's not how this works anymore. They're too rich. They're too spoiled. They're too soft. They're just going to throw a temper tantrum and stomp, you know, stomp out of the room. There's no sense of, of pride in being able to take a beating. They just run off and go tell mommy. I mean, legitimately, they'll run off and go tattle, try to get that guy fired. So, I mean, it just it just doesn't work. So buy-in is what you need. And Jerry uh, seems to understand that and embraces that, and I think it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Anyways, uh, make sure you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. If you'd like to support the show, there are links in the description for Patreon and Venmo and all that good stuff would be greatly appreciated in the doldrums of the NFL season. I know you're hearing ads running once in a while, but I promise you, these aren't the good ones. <laughs> During the season, when I'm, you know, reading them aloud, those are the ads that let me take my family to McDonald's. Not these ads. So for those of you that are sticking around uh, on Patreon, I do appreciate that. Thank you very much. Also, uh, any reviews, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever, the five-star iTunes review would be greatly appreciated. My, my biggest goal is to work my way up. And unfortunately, taking like a week off, I have just plummeted in the rankings. It's ridiculous. So I feel like I have to start all over again. I can't see iTunes, so I don't really know where I'm at. But I know everywhere else I've fallen. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be greatly appreciated. The people need to know about the Packernet podcast. They shouldn't have to go 15 podcasts down to, to find out uh, that we exist. I actually just pulled up the iTunes on my desktop. I see the podcast is ranked like 50th. Still has the old low. iTunes is a joke, man. You search Packers, um, The Coolness Chronicles, and About Progress, and Stay Tuned with Preet, uh, The English Puritans. These are some of the things that show up before my show. Real Time with Bill Maher, Stuff You Missed in History Class, The Breakfast Club. <laughs> what? I mean, it's just, what is this? iTunes has a stranglehold on podcasts, and they are the worst podcast player of anything. Anyways, I'm just venting. I never get on here, so I never really look at it. I'm just shocked to see how low it is. Number one on Spotify, though, so burn. Anyways, let's take a break. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's us days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. 
Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So I actually want to start off with, I did a video about it, but I figure I should at least very quickly go over it here. There was a question asked, uh, who will lead the team in picks? Now, again, people that saw the video don't want to hear this again. So if you want to hear a little bit more in depth, go like the Packin' Podcast Facebook page and you get to see um, a bumpy ride in my car. But really, what it came down to was two guys. Probably not the two you're thinking of. Um, Jair and Darnell Savage. And it's funny because this is the second time now where I've said something and uh, PFF has, has backed me up on it. The biggest defense I have for Jair is I recall him dropping a ton of interception. About two days after I posted that video, PFF comes out and says they had a list of most dropped interceptions, and Jair led the NFL in that. Now, you could look at that and say, see, this is why he shouldn't be on the list, but I disagree. He's around the ball constantly. All he has to do is catch it. If he could just start catching them, he could easily lead the NFL in picks. But what I actually settled on was, and and here's the way I phrase it, if you forced me to put money down, I would probably pick Jair for who would lead the team in interceptions. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say Darnell Savage. Um, I think his skill set, his ranginess, and also how well he he had two interceptions, which doesn't seem like much. I think Kevin King had like six. However, as I pointed out earlier in the video, between Adrian Amos, Kevin King, and Jair Alexander, I think between the three of them, they combined for one interception in their rookie years. Darnell had two. In fact, Kevin King, prior he had five interceptions in 2019, actually. In his first two years, only had one interception. Yes, he was hurt several times, but that also goes plays into why I'm not picking him in 2020, because he's got a little bit of an injury history. Point is, regardless of the reason, one pick over two years. Adrian Amos had three interceptions in 2018, which was like, you know, the peak when he was with the Bears. Um, he had one interception in his first three years. And Jair, obviously, is only in his second year. He went from one to two. So you could look at that and say, went from one to two. Maybe he gets four or five or six or ten or whatever. I don't know. And he could, and that's not a terrible bet. But again, you look at Darnell and you go, eh, it wasn't that great. But remember, rookies generally are not very good. And just going through this list, just of the guys on this team, nobody really did that well, especially in their rookie years. He's already ahead of everybody in their rookie years. Jair is the only one that got a pick out of that entire group of three in his rookie year, and it was one pick. Um, you look at the safeties that led the NFL in interceptions. You got Anthony Harris, the safety out of Minnesota, who, again, um, 
we, we've got that DB coach. He didn't get an interception for the first three years of his career. Then in 2018, he comes out of nowhere, gets three interceptions, and then last year had seven. Seven. You know, Stephon Gilmore, uh, he had six as a corner. He had one in his rookie year. Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, you want to talk about a, I wouldn't say a comparable guy, but a talented safety in his rookie year, he had two interceptions. Year two, playing for two different teams, he jumps up to five. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I don't think Darnell Savage is a terrible bet. The only guy that I can see on this list that was pretty dominant in interceptions that's always kind of been is Tredavious White. Although in his second year, he only had two. But in year one, he had, well, let me look. I just looked at it, and then I'm about to make up, I was going to say like five-ish. He had four. So, you know, there's certain guys that uh, they've kind of, you know, interceptions are definitely fleeting. And there are some guys that, you know, like Kevin King. And, and I again, I I have to, I feel like I have to apologize every time I say something bad about Kevin because I'm not trying to be that way. But I just feel like he's one of those guys that gets a bunch in a year and then maybe not so much. Because it is very fleeting. However, there are some guys that just have a nose for the ball. I mean, just think about a guy like Charles Woodson. He's not a guy that's going to get, like, a bunch and then he just falls off. No, he's just got a real good nose for the ball. He knows where to be, all that stuff. So some guys get little flurries. And then it tapers, you know, for example, like Eddie Jackson in Chicago. Two interceptions is a, in his rookie year, then six, and then two again. It was a flurry. I actually think, and again, I, th- I think Jair could be one of those guys that's a little bit more regular if he could just catch it because he's always just around the ball. And I'm hopeful that uh, Darnell Savage can also be one of those guys. Anyways, that was just, just a fun little thought. Another little softball question from uh, Nico, and it's actually going to kind of roll into another one. He says, hard question to answer. Which Bears quarterback is going to lose twice to the Packers this year? I think everybody kind of knows the answer. It's going to be Nick Foles, pending any injuries. Here's what I'm also going to say, and this is going to sound a little not nice. And I, I, you, as, a, as a somewhat of a public figure, you got to be careful with not nice because uh, you cross the wrong line these days, man, and it's, it's game over. And with me being unable and unwilling to, to give out apologies, this is it's going to be ugly. But hear me out. Without wanting harm to a person, it would be somewhat beneficial if Foles did get hurt. You know, maybe if it was like an injury where it's not so much that it just really hurts very bad, it's just that you're not able to play. You know, like maybe it hurts for a little bit, and then he's better, and he's like, I, all right, I'm ready to play. And they're like, no, you can't, man. You you completely ruined something and it's going to take roughly six months for that to fix itself and he's like but i feel fine you know what i mean maybe a concussion or something he takes a hit and he kind of jumps back up and falls over i shouldn't say no because then his but 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 because this is my made-up scenario his brain is fine his memories are going to be great in fact he's even smarter now it's like one of those superhero things where he gets smashed in the head now he's a genius but concussion protocol he's out six months let's hope for that and then he quits football and goes on to start a multi-trillion dollar business because he's a super genius and he can do whatever. And then he also hires me and I become super rich and then I hire some of you guys to do stuff for me. And we do the podcast, but it's mostly just for fun because I'm super rich now. And we record the podcast on the beach. What were we talking about? By the way, I, I, have, 100, that, I have daydreamed about that so many times, I'm going to do that one day. I will set up a little like coffee table, like one of those little foldable card tables with a laptop and a headset and I will record the Packernet podcast on a beach. I cannot tell you how many times I've visualized that in my brain. With a cheese head on, people walking by, 
getting awkward looks. I cannot wait for that day. But that rolls nicely into another question from Danny. He says, Nick Foles, will his style of play suit and help the Bears more than we think just looking at the numbers? What type of quarterback is he? What system would suit him? Welcome back. So unfortunately what I found is that yes, looking at um, PFF does an in-depth look at uh, quarterbacks with all these just ridiculous stats and everything else. And what I learned is that Nick Foles is Mitch Trubisky if he wasn't terrible. He is the type of guy that loves throwing the low-risk, high-percentage plays, but he's just much better at not being really bad. So I do think it's a very, very good fit. He is your prototypical game manager. Like, if, if you have a team that just needs a quarterback that isn't garbage, that can just get the ball to the open guy, Nick Foles is your man. We saw that with the Eagles, right? The Eagles have a great offensive line. They've got some great weapons on the outside, especially tight ends and whatnot. They've got a decent enough running game. They've got a stout defense, right? That's how they won the Super Bowl. Now, granted, Nick Foles played out of his mind. Best two games probably of his career were those last two games that he played to get into the Super Bowl and then win the Super Bowl. But yeah, I, I think Nick Foles is is what Mitch Trubisky is supposed to be. Now, understand I had to compare 2018 Nick Foles to 2019 Mitch Trubisky because they didn't have any information on uh, on Nick Foles in their 2019 breakdown thing. But it's funny, they got all these graphs and whatnot, and, and they are almost exactly in the same spot. For example, they've got these these graphs with like the four quadrants. I don't know what these are called. But the, the first one here for 2019, it's big time throw versus turnover worthy play percentage. And they've got their X and their Y axis. And they've got the, uh, on one side, avoiding the turnover worthy play. So they're avoiding bad plays. And then on the, the X axis, they've got big time throw percentage. So you're looking at, for example, you know, so the upper right quadrant is the, the best quadrant. You want to be as far to the upper right as possible because if you're far to the right, you're, you're throwing the, the big time throws, right? You, these are big plays and you want big plays. And then if you're really high up, you're avoiding really dumb decisions. So you want to be up and you want to be to the right. Both of them are to the left, which is, you know, safe. They don't throw a lot of big time throws. The question is, do they do a lot of dumb stuff? Mitch Trubisky is on the bottom left portion. He was in 2019 as well as 2020, which means he doesn't throw a lot of big-time throws. And we've seen the big-time throws, but they're few and far between, right? It's a lot of dink and dunk and dunk and dink and dink and dunk and dunk and dink until that big-time throw. But on a regular basis, he doesn't do it all that often. He throws a lot of short, little, dumpy passes. But again, the difference between Trubisky and Foles is that Trubisky is on the bottom left quadrant, which means he doesn't avoid the turnover-worthy plays. He throws a lot of turnover-worthy plays. In other words... Regardless of whether or not the defender makes a play on the ball, that ball should never have been thrown because the defender has the ability to catch it. Foles is on the safe side of that. So again, it's it's he is Trubisky, except he's not as bad. He's not going to make as many bad decisions. It's about the same in terms of big-time plays, meaning mostly safe plays, but much more cautious. If you look at, for example, adjusted completion percentage, Mitch Trubisky was not very high. If we just look at 2019, he was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6th from the bottom. His adjusted completion percentage was 71.4. Adjusted means we're taking away throwaways, we're taking away all the stuff that is not the quarterback's fault, and just saying, you got a guy, you throw it to the guy. Was it a good throw? Or, you know, was it caught, but also even drops they take out of it? The NFL average is 75.3, he's 71.4. Foles? 
he was sixth from the top, 78.3. So again, he's, he's a much more accurate passer. Give you one more example. I've got another of these four quadrant deals, except on the X and Y, you've got the higher negative percentage and a higher positive percentage because they're not necessarily the same thing. What percentage of the plays you make are negative plays? What percentage of the plays you make are positive plays? Ideally, you have a higher positive and a lower negative. It is possible to have high positive and high negative as well as um, low positive and low negative. You know, it's not diametrically opposed. Trubisky, and this is just looking at 2019, is about in the worst spot of anybody. You could argue maybe Tannehill, but I think it's probably Trubisky, or you could say Allen, whatever. But he's extremely high on the negative plays, right? He throws a ton of picks, a lot of ill-advised throws, a lot of errant passes. These are all negative plays, and he throws a ton of them. And the problem is he doesn't have a lot of high positive plays, right? Touchdown passes, big-time throws, whatever. And so he is in the really, really low negative spot. If you look at Foles, he also doesn't have a ton of high positive plays, but he has very, very few uh, negative plays. Again, he is Trubisky just without all the mistakes and dumb you know, errors and whatnot. So that really just brings us back to what we kind of already knew. It's not about Foles winning the game. He's not going to mess it up, but he's not going to win it for you. You have to have a team that's ready to, to take this thing to the next level. In other words, you've got to have the offensive line. You've got to have the receivers. You've got to have the run game. You've got to have the defense. You've got to be able to build around him. Foles, is, 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 if you've got the, the, the team ready to roll... You can plug him in, and he'll keep this train moving. You know, he, he's, he's a train conductor. What does a train conductor even need to do? What, go and stop? So again, the, the question is, do the Bears have the team right now? And I, obviously, if, if and this is the same reason why I'm skeptical, because the Jaguars did the same thing. They had a team in, what, 2017 that was knocking at the door of the Super Bowl. The problem is they had a quarterback who was so high in negatives. They had a quarterback that was literally holding them back. And had they had Foles in, uh, maybe it was 2018, no, I don't know. If they had had Foles at that time, they probably could have won. The problem is they were a year too late, or two years or whatever, because the team was already eroding. And I'm, I'm telling you, and somebody on Twitter, here's the thing. Don't drag me into your fights. <laughs> he was arguing with somebody and kind of pulled me into it. I didn't really comment, but anyways, this Bears fan was just livid. Because Bears fans are still operating on the assumption that the Bears defense is still elite. And it, and it is fine. Again, statistically, it was great. Didn't allow a lot of points, etc., etc. Although when you don't score a lot of points, that generally correlates to low scoring on the other side as well. But we'll leave that alone. But that's what it comes down to. If this defense can still be, you know, not they don't even need to be 2018 D. They don't need to be number one. But they 100% better be top 10. It would probably help if they were top five. Because the fact of the matter is the offense, even outside of Foles, is questionable. Do you have a running back? Do you have an offensive line? I know you got Allen Robinson, and that's cool. Do you have a tight end? You got Cole Komet, but I don't, I'm not really worried about rookie tight ends. They, when was the last time a rookie tight end came into the league and just tore it up? It's very rare, especially in a very weak tight end class. Last year was, or the year before, was a really strong tight end class. None of them came in and did anything. TJ Hawkinson, well, he got hurt. Irv Smith didn't do a ton for the Vikings. I mean, he wasn't a super big threat. Noah Fant is supposed to be the next great thing. He was garbage. Not saying he'll always be garbage, but I'm just saying he was terrible in his first year. I'm supposed to be scared of Cole Komet? So, I, 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 again, that, that is the question for the Bears. 
Foles is an upgraded Trubisky. Now, the, the other thing that I will say, and I, I don't know this information, Trubisky does do a decent job with those deep shots occasionally, and that does have a pretty high impact. I don't know if Foles is that same kind of guy, right? I've, I've mentioned this several times. There are times when you watch Mitch Trubisky, and he'll throw that 40-yard pass right in, it just perfectly thrown, and you look at it and just think, oh, no, here comes Trubisky, and then he just does just enough dumb stuff to lose the game. But I don't know if Foles has necessarily the same high upside. Also, he's not as mobile as Trubisky. I mean, Trubisky didn't even... I mean, he had... It was a down year. He ran for 193 yards. The year before that, he ran for 430. And the year before that, 248. In his three years, Mitch Trubisky has run for 871 yards. Nick Foles has run for 390 yards since 2012. Nick Foles ran a 514. The guy is not going to run anywhere, except accidentally. So I do think that there is this high-end threat. There is that feeling of, oh, no, maybe Mitch Trubisky, because he's got, I mean, he's got talent. He's got an impressive arm. He's got the mobility. He's got the throw-on-the-run ability. It's just all the really bad plays are the problem with Mitch Trubisky. And that, that again, as much as Nick Foles is a good version of Trubisky in terms of just getting a guy that's going to dink and dunk and not make a bunch of mistakes, he also, I don't think, has the upside Mitch Trubisky has. So he's not going to, it just depends what you want. And the, the, the best part about Nick Foles is they're giving up on Mitch Trubisky, who has the potential to be an elite quarterback. I don't know if he'll ever be that. We might be well past that. But the big sigh of relief, as much as it's scary that Nick Foles could take this team to the next level, it's also a sigh of relief because we know the Bears are never going to get, at least not anytime soon, their next big quarterback. The, the best prospect they have of getting a top quarterback is if they have a terrible year and are able to draft one in the upcoming draft which is unlikely because as, as much as I don't think Nick Foles is going to necessarily win them a Super Bowl, I don't think the Bears are getting a top five pick, probably not even a top ten pick. So they're not getting one of the top quarterbacks who are probably going to go number one and number two. So it is, from that perspective, I am happy about it. Because there is always a little bit of fear. As much as it's fun as a Packer fan to make fun of Mitch Trubisky, there's always that little bit of, oh man, I hope he doesn't become good or we're all in trouble. And it's not impossible that he just shows up year four and just has it all figured out. And they're like, well, sorry, Nick. And they bench him, and Mitch is just the man. But it's pretty unlikely. And so, again, my biggest fear is that Nick Foles is a good enough quarterback, and they get the offense going, and the defense is still just rolling at a really high level. But it's also somewhat of a short-term concern because the team is going backwards. It's eroding, and Ryan Pace has shown no ability to add talent to this roster. Outside of, of giving up everything for Khalil Mack, what has he done for this team? Nothing. He completely botched the quarterback thing. He's brought in wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver and drafted a wide receiver, and so far the only guy that they got is the guy that they picked up in free Outside of free agency, what has he done? He paid for Allen Robinson. He paid for Khalil Mack. Okay. The offensive line has gotten worse. He's done nothing. He brought in Jimmy Graham. That's not going to do anything for tight ends. He's had a bunch of other uh, tight ends that he thought were going to be something that never materialized, whether it's because of injury or just because they're not good. He drafted a running back who didn't contribute, despite the fact that he had a running back that was good, but he just refused. The coach was deterred. He just he had no desire to keep Jordan Howard around. He's a quality back. He's fine. He's plenty good to run your, your system. Nope, not good enough. We need somebody else. So in a year in which they have no picks, they get rid of the quality running back. They draft another guy who just is basically Jordan Howard, just not as good. He can't do anything. He's a terrible GM. I mean, granted, he's picked some guys that I really liked, but it just proves that I would be a terrible GM because most of them don't pan out. I mean, his first year, he picked Kevin White at pick seven. Horrible pick. 
The next year, he got Leonard Floyd. He's gone. The next year, he got Mitch Trubisky. Then he got Roquan, which everybody's still on the Roquan bandwagon. The guy has never been a good linebacker. The next year, his first pick was David Montgomery, not a good running back. And then this year, his first pick is Cole Komet. He's never had a first pick that was any good. He stumbled on a couple picks that were decent. He got Adrian Amos in the fifth round. Eddie Goldman's pretty good in the second round, that 2015 year. Uh, 2016, Kwiatkowski was fine, but they got rid of him. Deion Bush was fine, but they got rid of him. Jordan Howard was fine, but they got rid of him. So even when they find talent, they don't keep him around. 2017 was a good year outside of Mitch Trubisky. Adam Shaheen, although Shaheen is not around. Eddie Jackson, although they overpaid him, gave him an extension after one year inexplicably, and then he just kind of regressed back to what he normally is because he's a fourth-round pick. Tariq Cohen, who's extremely talented, but they never use him. James Daniels seemed like a good pick, but he's no good. I mean, 2018 was just not Anthony Miller. A lot of hype about him. He hasn't really proven much. 2019 seemed like a complete waste. I mean, just, I'm just looking at who, who on this team currently is a good player. Again, Adrian Amos, they got rid of him. Eddie Goldman might be his only good pick that's still on the team. The only one. That was in his first year. I mean, we, we got to see what happens with Roquan, Anthony Miller, maybe. But this, I mean, he's a terrible GM. That's just all there is to it. And that should give us all hope. And listen, as Bears fans, I you know, you can argue, but you're not helping yourself. By sitting here and arguing that you have a great team, you're arguing in favor of Ryan Pace, and you're arguing for the destruction of your own future. Until and unless and until, and then unless and until, because I can't speak, unless and until you start to acknowledge that this guy's not doing a good job. Just look at the fact that every good player that I listed that he drafted is off your team. And, Ed, and uh, Eddie Jackson is a good player. You know, I'm not saying he's bad, so that was a good pick, especially in the fourth round. But Amos is gone. Jordan Howard is gone. Kwiatkowski is gone. And the Bears fans never Bears and the Bears fans never acknowledge Kwiatkowski was a good linebacker. He's always been a good linebacker. They just didn't really use him much, and now he's gone. Tariq Cohen doesn't get used. I mean, I, I all I should have to say is Mitch Trubisky. You guys traded up and gave away a bunch of stuff to move up one spot to get. The worst pick in the first round in 2017. And by all accounts, you were duped into moving up. Nobody wanted to move up to that spot, but but Ryan Pace was told, hey, somebody wants to come up. If you want to get your guy, you better come up. He was lied to, and he believed it. And even if somebody was moving up, they weren't coming up for Trubisky. Come on, man. I'm trying to help you out, Bears fans. Trying to get you to see the light. Let's get a little competition here. You're not going to win because you have a GM that's going to overpay for free agents. That's not a winning strategy. Akeem Hicks is a good player. He was already there. Khalil Mack, he didn't draft. He paid for. Kyle Fuller was drafted the year before he got there. Prince of Mukamura was a guy that he brought in, and by the way, he's gone again. This guy has no ability to get talented players. Again, we got to see. Maybe Cole Komet will be the greatest tight end in football, but I kind of doubt it. So, again... Packers fans, this is the biggest reason why there is excitement. It's just a matter of we got to weather this storm because it is a little bit of a storm of Khalil Mack is on this team. That makes him dangerous. Akeem Hicks is a good player. Eddie Goldman, I mean, it's a good front. It's scary. It's hard to run against them, and they, they're constantly getting pressure on your quarterback. They've got Eddie Jackson, who's a good enough guy you know, out of the back end. They've got a talented defensive coordinator that's able to use the pieces to frustrate you, but it is eroding, and if we can just hold on, the Packers and the Vikings and the Lions, and hopefully we can beat up on them enough. They're just going to continue to erode until they find, you know, until they get rid of this guy. But anyways, I got to go. It's about that time. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. 
probably won't talk to you tomorrow. Not sure, but I'll talk to you sometime. Have a good one. Bye-bye. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com